What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Some Kind of Podcast. This is a podcast where we entertain you by discussing what entertains us. I am your host, Christian, and I'm here with my co-host, Tim. Hello. And Cody. Heyo. Last week, we talked at length about the newly released Justice League Snyder Cut and the first episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is now live on YouTube and podcast services around the world. If that sounds entertaining to you, make sure you go back and give that a listen. This week, we will be talking about a few hot topics in the entertainment industry. That includes the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as well as the upcoming 93rd Annual Academy Awards and who we, will, who we believe will steal the show. But more on that later. Uh, guys, first off, I want to start off with some what you've been playing and watching. What you guys been up to the past week? Um, I mean... I'm still just watching Critical Role like a crazy person. Um, I finished campaign one and I'm back into campaign two. Um, I've also been rewatching all of the Godzilla. Well, all of them, the two newer mo- uh, Godzilla movies and Kong Skull Island just to get ready for Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah. And um homeboy from uh, letter kenny in one of those ones yeah 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 he's in the he's in the first one um and then i've very loosely been playing story of seasons because uh, i picked that up so you got that yeah what do you think of it um i mean we can we could talk about that here in a little bit um okay. it's pretty good though very cool um so uh after cody relentlessly (laughs) and unabashedly just berated me for months to watch critical role i finally broke down and started critical role Um, because i finished modern family and i didn't have anything to watch um i will say that uh I started with episode one, which technically isn't really episode one. Well, episode one of campaign one, which technically isn't episode one, because when episode one airs, they're like two and a half years into their campaign. Um, But it's a good place to start because they go to a new city and it's all new and stuff. And they do a good job of explaining sort of kind of what happened um, before they started. Uh, It's pretty good. Uh, I got really into it the other day um and each episode's like three hours long on average um and uh, i watched like three episodes in a day (laughs) um so that was essentially my whole day was watching critical role i took breaks you know i and and even when i watch an episode i don't typically end up watching the whole episode in one go i have to pause you know every once in a while but when it gets good it gets really good and um Matt Mercer is just undisputed DM. Not that I've ever played D&D before. I had a DM, but I mean, no one's going to be able to live up to his stuff. No, and I know that he, he's Kirkwall, got here. Yeah, I know Critical Role has been around for a long time and I'm super behind on this. So this isn't news to anybody that's been watching it or has even heard of Matt Mercer. Um, but yeah, I started watching it. It's really good. Um, makes you want to play D&D really badly. Would you would you recommend it to Christian, as uh, as I have? I mean, yeah, I'm not gonna rake him over the coals. You should, like you did, <laughs> like you did us to get to watch this show. Hey, it, 
definitely sounds like something that's right up my alley and something that I want to um, want to watch. Um, you know, it might be something more so like down the line, like this summer that I dive into. You know, you think it wouldn't be good because when you when you discuss it, it's like okay, well, it's nine people just kind of sitting around talking, and you you think that like well, that's not very entertaining. You know what I mean? Like they're just kind of sitting around talking, but uh, it's really good, and I recommend watching the youtube video versus the podcast because i i, I kind of I, I felt difficult it was difficult to get um immersed immersed thank you uh watching just listening to the podcast whereas like watching the youtube videos and they're all on youtube um was way more immersive i was able to get into it and really kind of like like it yeah so. i mean it's it's the way that they do their role playing it's very like it, it definitely puts you into it yeah because they're very uh, emotive so that's what i've been watching when it comes to playing anything i haven't really had much time to play anything i sort of kind of started final fantasy 6 because it was on sale on steam um for like eight bucks and i was like i've always wanted to play this i hear it's the undisputed game when everyone talks about like the best Final Fantasy six is always in the conversation. Um, so I wanted to check it out and <laughs> it, this, this could just be a problem with like modern gaming, but I'm so used to everything auto saving now that I went like an hour and a half without saving because I wasn't, I forgot. And then I died and then it put me an hour and a half from where I was at. And I was like, I don't want to do all that over again right now. So I kind of stopped playing, but uh, I haven't really been playing much of anything anyway, because I've been more reading because um, I found this website called thrift books um, where you can buy used books and they'll ship it to you. Um, so I bought the entire game of Thrones series, all five books for $20. Oh, wow. Okay. And one of them's hardback. Oh, wow. Um, so I have been reading A Game of Thrones by George R. R. Martin because, I mean, the book is always better than the movie or TV show, right? Mm, so In some cases, yeah. Most cases. I mean, there's always the, the example of, uh, you know, Jurassic Park where the, the book was god-awful and the movie was a thousand times better. But that seems to be the only example anyone ever has <laughs> of... Um, something being better than the actual book, so. but yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing slash watching slash reading. I guess. Did you um? Did you give up on Pendragon? No. Um. So I I said I wanted to set a goal for myself this year to read more. Um. And I've read six books so far this year. It's only you know, almost April. So I've, I've, I've read, I'm I'm kind of like averaging like two and a half books a month, which is pretty good. Um, but I realized that all the books that the six books that I've read, I already have read. So technically I'm just rereading stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I wanted to read something that I've never read before. So I can always pick up Pendragon from where I'm at because I know the next word where, where the storyline kind of progresses. Um, so I wanted, I took a break because I was like, this is a pretty good stopping point where I am in the series to be able to come back and still not be far enough along to where I don't want to stop and, you know, not be 
too close to the beginning where I'm not going to pick it back up again. Right. Uh, so when the, the Game of Thrones books came in, I was like, this might be a good time to at least read the first one, you know, and then maybe go back to Pendragon for a little bit. Um, we'll see what happens. By the way, um, <laughs> this is weird because uh, you know how like when we were reading it, uh, we were always like, if you only knew, <laughs> if you only knew. Yeah. I've read the first two books. That is never said. I'm two books in, and that is that that phrase has never been said. I'm gonna be real. I don't really remember where that came from. It was from the books, though, was it not? I don't think it was. I mean, it... I'm a, okay. This is super off topic. I'm sorry, Christian. We're just derailing your podcast right now. Um, I'm ninety percent sure that it was just a Call of Duty clan tag. And me and Ed and you thought it was funny that it was just IYOK and people were like, what does that mean? And we were just giggling to ourselves like, if you only knew. I swear we got it from the the, the book series. (sighs) I swear it. I mean, I'm not not saying you're wrong because I barely remember what I did yesterday. So, yeah, it's possible, my dude. I guess anyway. you just have to finish them to find out, but I will. But like, I'm two books in, and like, it's never been said. So unless it gets said at some point, you know, because there's still eight more books that have to go through. So you know, it, it could be in any one of them at any point True. in time. I just don't remember. I was like, I swear this was more prominent, <laughs> but could just be, you know, you know, I had a lot going on back in those in those yeah, days. I don't know. It was all happening at the same time. Uh, and, I, and I read those books super fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I read one of them in a, or one or two of them in a day. Uh, not like two books in a day. Like I read one or two of them in the course of a day. Yeah. Anyway, so Christian, what have you been watching and playing? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. Are you good? I, uh, I've been burning through my back catalog of games, uh, trying to get ready for the uh, cluster mess that is uh, drop season this June with like five, six games coming out. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, like uh, Monster Hunter Rise just came out this past Friday. I am planning on picking that up. Um, and I will have uh, stuff to say about that next podcast for kind of like a tentative um, in review uh, topic. Cool. But um, so, yeah, I, I played um, Spirit of the North, which is like a cool indie game that I played back on the PlayStation 4. Um, it got a PlayStation 5 release. I thought I was going to get a free upgrade copy and I didn't um, like most of the other games that are coming out. You know, like they have like if you bought on the PS4, they gave you the PS5 and this one didn't do that. And I was fine, whatever. I wasn't going to get it. And then my parents kind of felt bad for me since, you know, I'm still uh, stuck at home with an injured knee. So they sent me a care package. And then I guess my mom just like found the game online. They're like, this looks like something Christian would play. And then <laughs> like sent me a physical copy. Was right. Like, well, you're not wrong. I did play this. Um, but now since you sent me this one, I kind of want to go through and play it again. So it's not just sitting on a shelf collecting dust. Yeah. And, it's, and it's relatively a short game. Um, you just kind of like follow, uh, uh, you know, a fox through like the Arctic wilderness, um, kind of like, and then you at the end of the basically the game leads up to spoiler alert, um, um, resur- or I guess creating um, the Northern Lights. Okay. 
Uh, now I'm never going to play it. Yeah, like you ever were. Um, I wasn't. Uh, and so on the on the train of thought of like kind of I guess more indie games, um, I also platinumed uh, Little Nightmares two, um, and so I I was gonna Cody brought up uh, to me that the first one was actually on sale for like uh, four bucks. Yeah, and I just I don't know I just didn't want to commit to yet another game even if it was only like a five to ten hour game, just because I'm still trying to catch up, and then I feel like right at the time I finally catch up, I'm gonna be like already behind because like i said in june there's like three or four games coming out within a couple weeks of each other and i'm gonna have to pick one and i don't yep anyway that's future me's problem anyway uh i also started playing uh uh finally immortal immortals phoenix rising Mm. Um, and so uh you know in in episodes past we've talked about how um you tim and steven have really enjoyed and both platinumed immortals phoenix rising steven has now platinumed it you said he has i think he has yeah yeah i'm pretty sure i think so um and so like highly recommended it um cody and i picked it up cody tried it out a while back and um, i i i i think i'm in the same boat that you're in but go on okay i um and so i still still haven't tried it out until literally like two days ago um and so i finally checked it out um it's 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 good i am enjoying the game but bit of a background on it it's made by uh ubisoft montreal i think Mm -hmm. and it's i I should have looked this up beforehand because assassin's creed odyssey which of course also a ubisoft game i think is also made by montreal i think i don't know i'd have to double check anyway it feels like this game some if not all of the team that worked on that was like that was really fun let's make an animated somewhat more kid-friendly version of that and go with it and that's kind of like what happened here because like as i started into the game i started noticing a lot of like nods to like you know trade not trademark but you know very recognizable things that you do in assassin's creed like synchronization points it was um assassin's creed uh, assassin's creed Odyssey was made by um ubisoft quebec okay so not exactly the same team then. Um, but I think, and if I'm, I'm not mistaken, I think on a lot of Ubisoft's games, like the one studio has like the main priority and like control over the game, but then like other studios do a little bit of like the side work on it. So, I believe that's correct. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So like starting into this game, it was really cool. Cause I mean, like, you know, you've got like, you know, a little Phoenix that follows you around, you know, kind of like the, the Eagle from Assassin's Creed. You've got the, like, you know, the big stone statues to unfog the map. Like you have like the big, towers where you synchronize in assassin's creed and then like there's even like a stealth attack mechanic where the trophy funnily enough is like i think it's like join the creed or something is the name of the trophy and it's like straight up a nod to assassin's creed well um the most of the um menu is like straight from valhalla yeah it's very similar um i will say that they did do a really cool um like a light-hearted um and humorous like route with the game like you know you have like the the gods kind of bickering in the background and every single time you interact with the character it's very much like a you know funny interaction whereas in assassin's creed it's like hey i might end up having to stab this guy in a few seconds so like it is definitely like a, a totally different atmosphere while playing this game and i mean like i guess like they kind of show that when they released it 
at launch on like not only PlayStation and Xbox, but also on the Switch. Whereas like, you know, Assassin's Creed games, like I think now there are a few, but like it was always for a long time, it was just console and PC. Um, and it had that like hardcore M rating, and I think this is rated teen. It's teen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like it's a great game. Um, I think the struggle that I have with it is that it's not, I don't know, really know what I was like no, uh, wanting or expecting out of the game, but it's too similar to Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I just not too long ago platinumed and played off and on for like three months, hundred plus hours later. And so it's just a little too similar to like want to dive right back into something that feels kind of like a alternate version of what I just played. Yeah, that's that's why I stopped playing. Like, I, I do want to finish it, and I'm actually really interested in the DLC that just came out. It um, looks really cool. I forget what it's called, but it's, like, the more Asian mythology. Yeah, yeah. the um, Eastern realm. Yeah, like, I'm I'm really excited to, to try all of that. Um, you, like, like you said, like, I picked it up uh, and didn't start it until I finished Valhalla, and I had just put like 150 hours in that game, and then I started playing Phoenix Rising, and like like you said, like it's good, it's a lot of fun, but I I can't I don't know it's it's yeah it's too similar, and I I, I can't devote that much time to a game. It feels like I'm just putting more time into Assassin's Creed, so like I need to give it some time to breathe. Okay, you are acting like you're gonna offend me with your. Your comments like oh, that's acceptable. I never like to outwardly enjoy it on a game that I know that someone else thoroughly enjoys. Um, oh. and so like I said, I I never I don't have a problem with the game. The game is good, yeah. like for for what it is, and especially if you don't typically play, <clears throat> excuse me, Assassin's Creed games. Like by all means, you should play this game. It's just for me in the current situation. And, like, I don't even know what Assassin's Creed franchise is going to do, like, this year. Like, the first DLC isn't even freaking out yet. Like, I bought the gold edition of Assassin's Creed Valhalla when it came out. And the first DLC, I think, is slated to launch at, like, the end of April. And then I think there's a part two of it that doesn't come out till I guess, sometime in the summer. So, I mean, with that timeline, I'd be honestly surprised if an Assassin's Creed game even came out this year. Um, Yeah, I I doubt we'll get one this year. But if that ends up happening, and if I take, if I decide to like not continue with the game right now, I fully expect myself like come like fall of this year be like, you know what, I I could I could I really like to play some Assassin's Creed, but like this would this is a game that's close enough that would scratch that itch, and like I'd be totally happy with it. The next Assassin's Creed game is set to launch in early 2022 and is taking place in medieval Germany. It's supposed to launch in early 22. According to this, I mean, it's not from Ubisoft themselves, but everything I'm seeing is saying that it's 2022 and it's supposed to take place in medieval Germany. Yeah. I mean, it might be. It's all it might be. I don't think an Assassin's Creed game has ever launched before outside of that fall window, but I mean, it could. Well, they, um, I forget which game it was right after, but it was in that, you know, like Syndicate Origins Odyssey, I think, timeline where, like, they were putting out a game, literally, it felt like every six months. But, I mean, it was every single year an Assassin's Creed game came out. And it yes. got, it felt way too oversaturated, and their ratings started to dip because the games felt rushed. And so they, they made a point to say, like, all right, cool, we're taking a year off between games. Mm-hmm. 
which honestly, when I saw, um, or I guess now that they did that, and since this game is uh, Mortal's Phoenix Rising is very fairly similar, I'm wondering why they didn't like put Valhalla out and then in the off year release Phoenix Rising and then do like an every other year thing with them. I think that would have made more sense considering they also released Watch Dogs. Like Ubisoft played no games when it came to yeah, the, they, uh, they, next-gen they, launch window. Yeah, they put out three titles immediately. Yeah. Granted, one of the three seems like a, a mess. But yeah, yeah. I, I really feel like what they were trying to do is they were like, let's try and hit all the demographics at once. Yeah. 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 I mean, and also there, I mean, like even, even if all the games were broken, like there wasn't a huge catalog of next gen games to play at launch. So, I mean, like people were still going to pick them up anyway. So I think Ubisoft did play it smart and kind of dominated the market on that. But, and I mean, I know I could, I know what you're saying. Like the, like Valhalla was broken at parts, but I mean, like it wasn't cyberpunk broken at launch. Okay. So interesting thing to that i'm not gonna get too into it because then we'll be here for another hour um we have i you want to tune back to episode one cyberpunk we look all into this look i had more issues and game breaking bugs with assassin's creed than i did cyberpunk yeah other than the the crashing which granted is really frustrating it didn't like ruin my save it didn't prevent me from progressing or anything like that. Whereas Valhalla, I literally couldn't finish the game for a month. Two things on that. Um, per my personal experience, I only had one problem with Valhalla, which kind of prohibited me from being able to platinum the game, not finish the game, just platinum the game. Right. Um, so I didn't have nearly as many problems as you. And so I think that kind of plays until the, like, it just kind of varies from person to person. Also, second note, you totally did play Cyberpunk, even though it was a PS4 game on your PlayStation 5, so that probably saved you a lot of um, headache. Oh, yeah, sure, but, like, you'd think a PS5 game on a PS5 would perform better. What? Valhalla was a PS5 game on a PS5, so it should have performed better, in my mind. It wasn't PS5 when it launched. Valhalla? It was PS4. I, I got the PS5 game. Yeah. The, the Valhalla came out before uh, PS5. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I'm just saying that when I got it, I got the PS5 game on the PS5. I know. That's all. And I'm just saying, on the grand scheme, of, uh, that was your, you know. Oh, yeah. No, it, it varies from person to game. person. I'm just saying, and on the for me, me personally. Look at via Twitter, the majority of people experienced a heck of a lot of problems. And cyberpunk cyberpunk was like they took it down off the playstation store I'm which not, has never happened before i'm not defending Maybe the horrible should. launch of cyberpunk Maybe. i'm just saying me personally valhalla was more broken than cyberpunk Tim brings up a great point to disagree <laughs> let's move on all right we're gonna go into the next part of the show and we're gonna call it metacritic predictions check-in as you may recall in episode three we gave our predictions for what metacritic scores the movies and video games releasing in 2021 would get uh, with a few of those titles having just been released uh, and a few more on the horizon it's time for an update 
So Cody, uh, you have recently picked up uh, Story of Seasons, uh, Pioneers of All of Town, which is one of your picks uh, when we did the Metacritic predictions at the beginning of the year. Um, it released on March 23rd. Uh, what are your overall impressions of the game? But first, how, how long have you played it and, what, and just kind of what's your overall opinion of it? Right. So with Valhalla and Cyber... I'm just kidding. Um, I will quit <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> I've quit this podcast five times. I don't want to hear it. Um, I've put maybe four hours into it so far. Um, Is it as much of a snooze fest as the trailer made it out to be? <laughs> Again, much like my opinion on Valhalla and Cyberpunk, it varies from person to person. Um, if you thought Stardew Valley was a snooze fest, I did. Then it would absolutely be a snooze fest because okay, I'm not into farming. That's fine. That's fine. So I will say though that like by all means of like the way to look at the game, like I I always thought Animal Crossing looked heck of boring and it might have just been i was so bored at the beginning of covid that like i didn't care but i was into that game for a long time and i feel like it's kind of in that same category um so i thought so too i'm gonna tell you right now and the four hours that i've played it is stardew valley the only difference is the visual and the and like the fact that it seems to not have combat but other than that, mechanically speaking, uh, story speaking, it is the exact same game. Like, you you literally, you go to a town to take over your grandfather's farm, which is the same story as Stardew Valley. Uh, and then you have to slowly build up the farm. You have to plant crops. They all, you know, have like, you know, these turnips will grow in five days. And, you know, they only grow in the spring or whatever. Um, so you have to like deal with the seasons, uh, you have to, you know, chop trees and break rocks and craft and farm. It, it, it is a slightly more modern, I don't want to say updated, but modern version of Stardew. Uh, modern. Um, it's fun because I enjoyed Stardew and games like that, but like, if you thought Stardew was boring... You will not enjoy story Look, seasons. I didn't think it was boring. It's just not for me. It's like it's like baseball. I enjoy playing baseball. Oh yeah, watching but baseball is watch, awful. Yeah, watching baseball is terrible. It's absolutely it's awful. Actually, farming, I might enjoy it, but I don't want to play farming because that's boring to me. I'm just <laughs> saying we can go pick up farming simulator. Um, hey, my stepdad plays that game. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not like Animal Crossing. Um, I think the reason Animal Crossing worked compared to like this game and the differences is that like with Animal Crossing, you could only do so much in a day. Like it was, it was limited to what you could do. So you actually just put the game down. Like yeah. the, the, I feel like the draw to that game well, was like, well, Cody, well, did look, you put the game down. Or were you playing Doctor Who? After I'm traveling. After I played the game legitimately up to the last upgrade on the house. Once I got the last upgrade on the house, I was like, "All bets are off. I'm gonna do what I want and go nuts with it." So I played the game, quote unquote, legitimately. I paid off my loan the legitimate way, and then I time traveled. 
Um, but I think that was the big difference where like, like for you, Christian, cause I know that we all tried Stardew around the same time and me and Steven were the only ones that kept with it. Yeah. I'm on board with Tim. I played like an hour or two of that game and I was just yeah. like, I can't do this. This is too bad. So I think the, the big, I tried, you guys were so into it. I tried the biggest difference. I feel like if, if animal crossing had allowed you to just keep going and let you do everything without, you know, like the day night process and you could just, you could just play it and play it and play it and play it and go to sleep and start a new day and just, and just keep going. You would have gotten bored. But the fact that the game was like, Ooh, what's going to happen tomorrow? I guess you'll have to actually wait to find out. There was, there was some aspect of like, all right, I'll play tomorrow. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, um, and I mean, like, even now, though, like, in the like the current situation I'm in, where I have all these, like, games in backlog and games coming out, I, have, I haven't had a desire to pick up Animal Crossing in, in a while. I, I would just... trade it in, and but I bought it virtually. <laughs> yeah, I also bought it virtually. Um, I've turned it on in the last... I've turned it on this month. I played it for, like two weeks I, I played every day for about two weeks um just to mess around with the mario update i forgot about that um which is pretty cool i mean it, it it's it's still like it doesn't add any more playability to the game you know like i mean once you've i feel like animal crossing is just one of those games like once you once you beat it you beat it like there's no like upgrading your house to like a massive mansion or anything like that. Um, but like the Mario, I, I, uh, the Mario items are cool, Cool. but I'm done playing. Um, so uh, like, since you were, you know, a fan of Stardew Valley and since that's the game you're comparing it to a lot, um, like, do you, are you happy with the purchase? Like, are you still enjoying it? And do you think you'll enjoy it for a while longer? Um, it's only 40 bucks. Um, so I'm not, I'm not mad at it. Um, I feel like it's it's worth that. I I don't know that I'm gonna. It's gonna. It's not gonna be one of those games where I like. Um. Constantly play. Mm-hmm. But it is nice just to like I'll have Critical Role on in the background and I'll just pick up my Switch and play it here and there, you know, or or whatever. Like it's. It's like Stardew Valley. It's just a like I can turn my brain off for an hour and. Just play this little farming game. Right. So uh, cool. to that, I, I think where I picked my score on the Metacritic, I, I I feel like having played it, it's probably lower than what I picked. But I think what I picked is fair. Did we have the actual thing yet? Or, cause just, I, yeah, it, it, so it just came I'll, out, so it, we probably still need another week. Yep, so I'll, I'll move into that here. Um, so the agreement we made um, to make a judgment call on what the game's official score was was a week post-launch. So the game released on uh, the 23rd, the 23rd yeah. and so the week from launch will be this Tuesday, actually right when this podcast goes live, uh, March 30th. Um, so we'll wait to officially disclose what the final result was on next week's show. Um, so, but right as of right this moment, um, Story of Seasons Pioneers of Olive Town is sitting at a meta score of 72. Uh, just for reference, our guesses uh, were Tim at 70, Cody at 79, and me at 75. 
So we're kind of all. Yeah, I think I think our... literally all of our scores are fair. Just having having played what we have, I think all of those are are fair guesses. And I don't think the medic if it, if it goes up, it's only going to go up like a point. You know, like I don't I don't think it's going to be a drastic change from that seventy two. Eighty now. Um, so yeah, we'll be able to touch base with that and make the official judgment call on that week, next week's episode, as well as the official call for Monster Hunter Rise, um, which released uh, this past Friday on March 26th. Um, like I said before, I have not yet played it, but I will this week. Um, and so I will play a, enough to give at least a first impression, if not a full review of the game next week's episode. Um, when we'll be doing all, all the monster things. Uh, right now, it is sitting at an 87 on Metacritic. Our choices were Tim at 82, Cody at 92, and me at 86. Um, so again, we're not none of us are like that far off. I think I will be. Unless it goes up, I think I'm going to be the furthest for sure. Um, I mean, if I if I'm at 92, I think I think so you're you're going to get the most points out of this. I mean, yeah, but I mean, like you're 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 higher on the high end, and Tim's on you're... the low end. Like, unless it just gets a crazy surge of positivity in the next, you know, week. Cut to Cody just spamming. 100%. So, yeah. Um, so, next week's episode, we'll be able to make the, the official judgment call for the um, results of and who gets what points on both um, Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town, as well as Monster Under Rise. Yeah. As so well as the uh the next uh couple things coming up really so these are the only two things and then it's like nothing for like till summer um as far as our metacritic predictions go um so godzilla which comes out you know in just a few days comes out this wednesday, wednesday March right? 31st. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. and then after that we've got about a month um at the very end of april uh pokemon snap releases on april 30th yeah so but june's gonna be nuts yeah yeah both movies and games it's we're gonna have our hands full <clears throat> anyway uh but yeah so i'm gonna move into the next part uh so on the last week's episode we discussed our first impressions of the new disney plus show falcon and the winter soldier and since we all are very interested in where the show is headed and how it'll affect the mcu i want to introduce the new segment called what the falcon each week we will discuss the latest happenings of marvel's latest show and our overall thoughts on kind of where it's headed so before we go further full spoilers ahead we're going to talk at length about what happened in episode two so if you haven't watched it yet either skip ahead in the podcast or come back later this week we are talking about episode two the star spangled man which gave us a further look into captain america's uh or the newest iteration of captain america john walker the terrorist organization flag smashers and a look into the true origin of the infamous super soldier serum that gave captain america his abilities so I want to start off kind of where the episode started um, by giving kind of a behind the curtain look at this new guy who, let's face it, he's probably going to be a bad guy at some point, uh, John Walker. Uh, so the newly appointed Captain America, often referred to as U.S. agent or super patriot in the comics. Um, so that at the beginning of the episode, it touched on how this guy has amazing record serving in the United States military, uh, top of his class, very smart, had like three Medal of Honors, and is extremely physical, physically fit, um, about as you know best as you can be without being an actual super soldier. Oh, so he's not? No, no, he's just a regular guy. Is he was 
doing some super soldier like stuff. Yeah, he yeah. can he can catch the shield and all that good stuff and he's very nimble, but yeah, he he doesn't have the serum. Um so yeah, and then that he it kind of transitioned there at the beginning of the episode where um John Walker and his buddy uh what was the official like name that they gave his like partner in crime? I've already forgotten. It was the blaster star something oh, stupid yeah. like that yeah uh, battle star battle star, battle star. Yep. okay there we the go Melee, immediately i thought like galactica yeah <laughs> that was my first yeah <laughs> uh so the two of them uh kind of crash in on bucky and sam trying to go after the flag smashers and try to team up and basically both basically they both want to have like nothing to do with them they want them to you know like f off and go the heck away um what do you guys think about this? Do you think this is a, like in that moment, Sam seemed almost willing to give it a shot until he made the whole like wingman comic comment. And then he was like, ah, no, I'm out of here too. Yeah. I mean, going to go one of two ways. Either they're going to put aside their differences and work together. Uh, or John Walker is going to be an agent of Hydra or something like that. Um, just because, I mean, Let's put it this way. I think it's going to be the latter where like he ends up being a bad guy because I don't think they're having this dude be Captain America in the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. No, I really mm-hmm. think that that's reserved for Sam Wilson. And I still feel like this this whole arc is about him accepting the responsibility of being Captain America. Um, so somehow or another, Sam Wilson's getting his hands on that shield again because they keep bringing it up. Mm-hmm. So even in this episode... That's all Bucky wants to do is go and get the shield. Yeah. You know, so um, I think it, it, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Like, I understand why, like, you know, like they kind of went that route, but it's just like, so I liked the first episode of Falcon Warrior Soldier. I hated this episode. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. I felt like there was, it was just like, Besides the buddy cop stuff between Falcon and Winter Soldier, like it was just kind of like, what are you guys trying to do with this show? Like, you introduced this weird new Captain America that like isn't a super soldier, but like can still kind of do super soldier stuff. And your only like really explanation of is, is like, well, he's just really good. Um, and then I mean, I'm sure I'll talk about it here in a second, but there's that weird weird out of place no reason to really be there made no sense scene with a therapist <laughs> yeah that went we'll on that. entirely too long <laughs> it was just kind of like what are you guys trying to do here i feel like you had a lot of good things set up in the first episode and then you kind of just veered left i don't know that's just my thoughts yeah, so I mean, like, they definitely are, they still have a lot of stuff kind of up in the air, and they're kind of hinting at, like, some things might be going on, some things might not, and I think they're trying to do the typical Marvel thing about just trying to make sure that nobody's able to catch on to, like, where they're headed. Maybe, I don't know. And this is only supposed to be six episodes, so, like, you only have four left, mm-hmm. but what are, you, what are you doing? <laughs> you gotta uh, have some resemblance of where you want to go. You only have four episodes left. Right. Um, and so kind of like you were saying, like, I, I think that um, John Walker is definitely going to go more of the potential villain route, or at least as some version of it. He's not going to be like, you know, the top of the notch public opinion Captain America guy for long, like something's going to happen. And kind of what maybe like lean that way even more so 
um, was when after, um, you know, John Walker comes in and bails uh, Bucky out for, um, for skipping his therapy session. Um, afterwards, he was like, all right, guys, we need to team up. And they kind of finally come to the conclusion that like, it's not going to happen. And then um, John Walker was like, okay, well, if we're not going to team up, you guys need to stay out of my way. And then he gave this like really weird look. And I'm like, that that's like a serial killer look right there. Like this guy, this guy is nuts. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I say hate, that's a very strong word. I just, it, the, the stuff that was good was good. Right. Like the stuff that was bad made no sense. To You're me. good. It's fair. Uh, so the part of the episode that I found the most intriguing um, and world building um, was the part containing Isaiah Bradley. Yeah, they do um, deal with a lot of, uh, I know you're going to mention it here, but a lot of social injustice in this episode. Right, yeah. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see kind of how the series um, handles it going forward. Um, but so Isaiah Bradley, just as a bit of a background, is a character pulled from the comic series Truth, Red, White, and Black which was a seven-part miniseries released back in 2003 by Marvel. Um, it was a story about the U.S. government's attempts to complete the Nazi Germany's, a.k.a. Hydra, uh, super soldiers program by re-engineering the lost super soldier formula that turned Steve Rogers into Captain America through the murder of and forced experimentation on over 300 African-American Army soldiers. So Isaiah was allegedly, I guess, like the sole survivor of that whole thing. Um, and so like when they went into his house, you know, and, and Bucky and Sam went in there and started like conversing with this guy, um, he started kind of beating around the bush and like hinting at things that kind of happened in their past. And so apparently in MCU, at least, Isaiah was the second allegedly Captain America that no one knew about, including most of the Avengers, as you saw when they were leaving Isaiah's house and Sam was like, how did I not know about this guy? Um, apparently while Steve Rogers was still on ice, Isaiah was the only one that could really go toe to toe with the winter soldier. And they had, I guess, like a bout at some point overseas. And then he actually ended up ripping off like half of Bucky's like metal cyborg arm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, and it's so even, there was even a scene while they were still in the house where he had like a box of something, some metal box and just like angrily threw it at the wall. And it like went so fast that like stuck into it, almost like Captain America's shield. So like, he still got some, so we got some moves, even in his uh, very elderly age. Um, what do you guys think is kind of going on here? Um, it doesn't surprise me that they're, I mean, it, once Steve went away, it doesn't really surprise me that they tried to do it again yeah. because that's what would happen in the real world if we had a super soldier serum. So yeah, it's really kind of shocking that the MCU only kind of now just started touching upon it that you know there were more people out there than just steve that got this right um and so i mean like they touched on it back in the civil war when they talked about you know not only the winter soldier but how there was like i think eight other ones like beside him that were like all kind of like i guess kept on ice ready to go at any moment and then that one and i forgot it, did did bucky get the super soldier serum yeah from I've hydra yeah. Not right. like the identical one that Steve got. I don't think that one has ever I been. forgot about that. And then when he started just chasing down cars on his one foot. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. guy was booking it. <laughs> oh, maybe he has that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I did think it was uh, interesting to note uh, about Isaiah. Um, and I, I'm glad that they brought him into it. Because uh, apparently Will Smith was tapped to play Captain America as Isaiah um, when they were casting the Marvel movies. 
and he turned it down because he didn't think the I guess the the world was ready for it. Oh, you mean like in place of Chris Evans playing yeah. Captain America? As, instead of oh, Steve well. Rogers, it was supposed to be Isaiah. Oh well. Uh, and it was going to be Will Smith. Um, that, those are just Hollywood rumors, but uh, I just remember reading about that when they were announcing the MCU back in the day. Um, so at one point in the conversation, while they're in Isaiah's house, uh, the topic came up that you know Isaiah was in prison for over thirty years and experimented on um, with you know racial injustice aside what in the comics like it was hinted at that he stole captain america or one of captain america's uniforms and that was the reason they put into imprisoning him i have no what idea all do you think came from in the mcu um from that experimentation process like do you think that's how do you think that serum is what made like bucky uh i think the serum the serum that made bucky was from hydra they that was what the winter soldier was all about yeah they dropped him in there to stop the winter soldier so bucky was already the winter soldier yeah. when it came in existence because they fought in oh that's right yeah, isaiah yeah. isaiah had the u.s government's version 2.0 of the serum right and bucky had hydra's version which is what the flag smashers are using i guess yeah supposedly yeah, and I guess in this next episode, they're going back and meeting with the villain of uh, Civil War. I can't remember the guy's name. Zemo. Um, yeah. Um, to talk with him about, you know, kind of how these uh, Flag Smashers got their hands on the serum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this episode did an amazing job of bringing in real world racial injustice, um, even with the scene right before they went into Isaiah's house uh, for the first time where Falcon actually interacts with the young kid and corrects him when the kid refers to him as Black Falcon. Yeah. He says, you know, like, I'm, I'm just Falcon kid, like not Black Falcon. Um, so I think that it, they're doing a great job here, and I think they're, they're doing it artfully and skillfully on screen. I hope to see more of it uh, in the episodes ahead, um, at least in the at least, um, you know, in part. Um, and so moving on to another part of the show, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, finally start to team up. Um, you know, the first episode kind of showed them apart and not really interacting. Falcon was, I guess, at one point said that like he had sent Bucky messages and Bucky was like never responding. And so like for the first time and however long, Bucky just kind of hops back up and is like, hey, I saw you gave the shield away. What the crap, man? Uh, and so, I also forgot that like they know each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? Oh yeah, I forgot that they were like, oh yeah, like they were both Avengers, so like they know I, I just I blanked. I was like, oh, yeah, how are they gonna get these two together? And then they just showed he showed up and I was like, Oh yeah, I guess they do just know each other, don't they? <laughs> yeah, so he um Bucky comes back and kind of confronts Sam on giving up the shield. Um and kind of you know what what happened there and what the reasoning he had for it. Um, and so I'm sure that like, you know, Tim was saying before that that'll probably be the capstone on this first season is probably uh, my guess would be easy. either Sam saying he's willing to consider the responsibility of taking the shield or he's just going to take it. Um, as viewers, uh, we, I kind of really, <laughs> kind of like Tim was saying before, like the, they never really had necessarily like an on-screen like chemistry, like they never were like paired up a lot. Um, with the exception of being around Steve Rogers and like Steve Rogers was really the only character that like brought them together. And so it kind of makes sense that now he's gone. 
there's kind of just discourse between them and they don't really get along that well yeah in fact i even remember back in shoot i think it was one of the civil war where they're like sitting in the back of like the old volkswagen bug yeah it's it's steve's like yeah. talking to the uh, um peggy's niece yeah his niece well <laughs> before he makes out with his niece and then, anyway yeah and they have that little like buddy moment in the back seat yeah they're like can you move your seat and he's like no <laughs> um so yeah the, it's it's natural i guess that they would have this kind of like awkward on-screen chemistry since they never really like i guess fully got along they only kind of like faked it because of steve and because steve you know brought them together and wanted them to um but as tim brought up before there was that really awkward uh like couples therapy scene in i don't know two. what they were trying to do with this so I think they were just trying to go like typical Marvel humor on it. Yeah. I don't think it was it world building or really served a purpose. I think it was just to be humorous, but yeah, I think it was just a, uh, an attempt at quick humor between the two of them and a way to get con- contextually a way to get the therapist out of the picture. I guess it didn't work for me. Uh, didn't didn't seem funny it seemed pointless it was very awkward <laughs> i think that I mean, was I the definitely point. think it was supposed to be awkward yeah. um i will say at the end when they both kind of like lost their crap and like stood up and kind of stormed off um when you know like they're, they're trying to get the the therapist is trying to get them to like tell each other like what they're really thinking or, or whatever and so when bucky's finally like you know if he was wrong like you gave up the shield and if steve was wrong about you you're wrong about me i thought that was like the one takeaway from that scene um, Honestly, it, it was when this scene was happening where I was like, I don't know if I like this episode. This is weird. The uh, um, Because it kind of, I guess, focuses in on why Bucky's so um, irritated that, you know, um, Sam gave up the shield as he did. Um, but in, you know, of course, Sam's defense, he didn't give it up for this guy to take it. He gave it up for it to be on display and in memoriam to Steve Rogers. Um, but yeah. Uh, so the other last part i kind of wanted to touch on and is really we don't still know a lot about the flag smashers um we start to learn a bit more about them uh in this episode um and they of course want to restore the world back to how it was during the blip um so we know that there are some super soldiers among them i don't know if it's just like those like seven or eight people or whatever that they showed on screen or if there's more of them beyond that or what uh but where do you guys think that this like story aspect of the story is headed um, and do you think that they will be more of an antagonist or John Walker? Both. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're, the Flag Smashers whole thing of like one world, one people doesn't make much sense to me why they say that because like you're trying to kill half of them though. Yeah. Like the, no, <laughs> no, that's not, that doesn't make sense. Again, like it's one of those things like it doesn't make sense. Like, I mean, I, I see the logic. I, I, I see like the thought. But like, if they really want one world, one people, they should be happy that they, all these people are back. Well, uh, I think what they're alluding to is that in the first episode, they mentioned that during the blip, there was no war, there was no border between nations. It was just a, you know, one giant unified world because everyone was going through the same thing, and it it was pointless to fight over stuff. 
And so I guess what they're trying to nail down in their ideology is if we go back to that, it'll be peaceful again. And there won't be war and there won't be, you know, stuff like that. They're just going about it. Again, it's the same argument people had when Thanos did it in the first place. Like, he snapped away half of existence and that outside of the movies, like real, real people were debating whether or not he did anything wrong. So I, I think that's where their ideology is, is like, we want to do what he did because there was legitimate unification out of it. Sure. Um, but you, but Kay said it's both in some regard. I mean, Flag Smashers might continue on in the MCU. I think John Walker is going to be done at the end of this miniseries, personally. I think he's either going to die or he's either going to die the hero or he's going to become the villain. Not to quote Batman. That is not where I was going for it. <laughs> I saw Tim smiling and I was like, I heard it as I said it. I didn't say anything. Nope. I saw your face. Um, so when, when I was watching this with Ashley, um, she brought up a good point and that this uh, John Walker character, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but like he was had strong resemblance to like the Homelander character from the boys or like this guy who's like, you know, of course, on the forefront, like seems like a nice guy, seems like a do-gooder, but is like evil as crap and wants to just do his own thing. Um, so I, I, I highly expect he's going to go off the rails. I wouldn't be surprised with, you know, serum apparently just floating around in the world now, if he gets his hands on it or if the government decides to give him some, and then that has ramifications to somehow, whether he takes it forcefully and just takes it and puts it into himself or if the government's like, Hey, we need like, you know, super soldier captain America and gives it to him. And then there's like a horrible reaction and then something happens. Yeah. Um, because like like Tim was saying uh, before, um, when we had uh, yeah the realization that he wasn't a super soldier, like it doesn't necessarily make sense to have somebody going out and doing all these crazy things that is like could totally just like get shot at any moment and like or get seriously injured and then he's just gone. So I mean, like if they're gonna send him out on all these missions where like all these other Avengers go out on, like he needs some sort of protection, either some sort of like heck a strong like iron man armor or some sort of serum that's gonna at least make him a little bit more invulnerable um but yeah any last thoughts no i'm just, yeah, a, just interested to go. see where they go just gotta wait and see where they're going to go i mean yeah. I, have, I have strong opinions after this episode but you know i'm still gonna obviously for this for these purposes and my own personal purposes continue watching the show so right all right. Well, let's go ahead and do the main part of today's show, which is the 93rd Annual Academy Award nominations and what we think is going to win. Um, so going, uh, we're going to run through each of the categories and decide uh, who we think will win. Um, just like on the Metacritic predictions we did towards the beginning of the year, we will do a point system and the winner gets a DoorDash of their choice. Uh, the point system is going to be much simpler than it was last time since it's not based off of a rating system and it's just, you know, if somebody wins or they don't, um, if you get the, if you get it correct, you get a point. If you don't, you get nothing. That's it. So we'll tally them up at the end. Whoever gets the most gets that uh, DoorDash of their choice, um, which I, and I think the Oscars are at the end of April. 25th yes. of April. 25th. April 25th. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to play along with the home game, 
uh, visit our website. I made ballots, which is essentially what we're doing right now. We're just going to fill out our own ballots. Um, uh, well, well, we're, we're going to fill out our ballots and the, uh, I'll post the, the filled out ballots onto our website. Um, once this episode airs, so you'll be able to, to see it. But, um, if you want to make your own predictions, you can go to our website and I made two printable PDFs, a full color version and a black and white version, uh, in case you have a black and white printer. So yeah, check that out. Yep. And so that's skoentertainment.net. Feel free to check that out. Um, so most of the years I, I have watched the Oscars. I at least recognize most of the nominations. And of course, 2020 was just a weird, weird year in general. So most of the films that were supposed to come out just didn't. Um, but as looking through this list, I only knew like three or four titles. And I think we were all, all kind of under the same yeah, uh, umbrella so there. I'm actually kind of glad we're still doing this way. This way where like we kind of sort of maybe know little to nothing. Because, you know, not to get into it too much, but Kay and I were in the old movie house industry. Um, and one of the things that like nobody ever talks about unless you're in it is that people that work at the movie houses there's a certain group of them that tend to get super pretentious around oscar season uh-huh. it's very annoying um and the, i'm talking about some people that i'm I've, I've been very close to that um are really judgy if you don't know your oscar picks and stuff like that or have at least seen the best pictures it's like you almost don't qualify as an associate at that point and it's not just the the movie houses that i've worked at it's other ones that i've never been to that i've met people at that get like just i said like just it's, it's so weird because like, they just get like so pretentious on like how many picks they can get right it's just it's weird i don't know i just wanted to bring it up because it's, it's weird so i'm kind of glad that we're doing this blind almost because like i'll be able to have more fun with it because before when i pick things like are you sure you want to pick that like yeah i don't I've seen like three of these movies. I went through a list of like Oscar winners, and I think best picture wise, I think I've maybe seen two of the best, the little one best pictures, and I'm pretty sure both of them I watched before they won the Academy Award. So, and one of them was Lord of the Rings. So, you know, I don't know. It's just a little slight tangent there. You're good. Uh, yeah. So um, we're gonna run through all the categories here in a little bit more of a humorous fashion uh, than we usually would because of all that. Um, and so we're just going to hope for some, uh, some dumb luck. Uh, all right. So apologies for any uh, mispronunciations going forward, because I was looking through the list and uh, there's a good chance that we're going to get some of these names wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to start us off in the category of best visual effects. So in this category, it's love and monsters, the midnight sky, uh, the new Mulan and the one and only Ivan and Tenet. What do you think? Uh, Tenet. Do you know anything about Tenet? I know it has crazy visual effects. I've seen it. <laughs> it's it's good. Oh, you have seen it? Yeah. Oh, I have not. I don't know anything about that movie. It's really good. Uh, it's like it's it's like this weird concept of like time travel, but in a in a weird way, it's more like you're not like getting in a time machine and then jumping back like to a specific day you go through like this machine and then you're essentially going in reverse 
Interesting. And so like people can see you, but you you're traveling and you're traveling backwards. Like you're experiencing everything in reverse. It's a really trippy movie. Um, I'm actually going to pick love and monsters because I think that in terms of visual effects, I think that it actually like, um, utilize them as opposed to like, I don't know, like, like CGI effects. Like it had more CGI effects. So that's why I'm going with that one. Okay. Well, just to be different, I'm just going to pick move on. Mulan would have been my other choice. If I'm being real honest. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. It's good. Uh, it's it's it's, it's on my good. list. <clears throat> All right. So, good. Are you good? Yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna go to best sound next. So that's Greyhound, Mank, News of the World, Soul, and Sound of Metal. <sighs> okay. So. Against my better judgment, because I, I haven't seen Sound of Metal, but I watched the trailer and it looks really good. Um, and Soul, I saw, and Soul is Disney Pixar, so you figure mm-hmm. it'd probably go to Soul because the whole m- movie is based around music and sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But against my better judgment, I'm going with Sound of Metal. Okay. Same, actually. Um, mainly, and this is this is the big brain moment. Because it has sound in the name. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was making that up, but I'm not. Okay. Uh, I actually have not seen Sound of Metal, um, but I have seen Soul, um, and I really enjoyed it and had an amazing uh, track. So I, I'm, my pick is going to go with Soul. That's probably the, what's actually going to win, but I, you know, I'm going with Sound of Metal. All right. All right. We're going to do best short live action. Uh, we got feeling through the letter room, the present, two distant strangers, and wide eye. Uh, I'm gonna just go with two distant strangers because I don't know anything about this this category. Yeah, me neither. Uh, uh <laughs> dude, I don't even know. I, I, I feel like I don't even know the last time I watched a live action short. Um, I'm just gonna go with wide eye because it. I don't know. It sounds cool. <laughs> I'm gonna that's, that's, feeling through because that made me laugh. <laughs> you're gonna go with feeling through. Feeling through. All right, feeling through it is. Uh, yeah. So this is. Uh, if you haven't caught on already, this is how this is gonna go. Yep. So if uh, if this does not appeal to you, you should probably stop. <laughs> it ain't gonna get much better than this, guys. Uh, nope. best short animated. Uh, so we have Burrow Genius. Losi? Sure. Oh, yeah. Sure. If anything happens, I love you. Opera and yes people. Uh I'm gonna go with Yas people. Okay. Yes people. Um let's see. I don't even I'm gonna go with Burrow. Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know like like Tim was saying, like I know people that if they like our friends that yeah, if they they're listen hate, to this, they're yeah. gonna be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> gonna get some hate mail. All right, Christian, what are you uh, picking? I'm gonna go if anything happens, I love you. <laughs> oh, I love you too, man. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh okay, so next up is best production design. Um, and so in this category we have the father, Marani's Black Bottom, Mank. <laughs> 
No. I was trying not to laugh and you made me do it. <laughs> I was okay. just go. Mank. We, we mank news of the world and Tenet. Tenet. Tim. <laughs> um Mank is black and white and looks like it's really produced well, so I'm gonna go with that. Alright. Tim's going with Mank. Hi. Have seen news of the world and tenant. I think I'm going to go with news of the world because it's a period piece and they did really well. Mm-hmm. I have also seen news of the world and that is also my pick. It was an okay movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's about where I'm going to leave it to. It was, it was an but, uh... okay movie. It, it, it definitely struck me as a film that would win some awards. Uh, all right. Uh, best original song. We have Fight for You uh, from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear My Voice from The Trial of the Chicago 7. Husavik from Eurovision Song Contest. Uh, EOC, in parentheses, scene. The Life Ahead, La Vida Devante Asi. And Speak Now, One Night in Miami. Well, I'm glad that you picked this week to do this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was looking at like uh, Husevic. I don't know any of these things. Um, I'm going to go with Fight for You, Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm just going to go Eurovision because. <laughs> what a ridiculous movie. It's ridiculous. So I'm just, yeah. Oh, I loved it though. It was so good. Um, so I'm going to go with, uh, hear my voice, um, from the trial of the Chicago seven. If you guys have not checked it out, it's a Netflix original, uh, trailer looks really good. Yeah. absolutely phenomenal cast. And it was done extremely well. I didn't really know much about that story until I uh, watched the film and, uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very good. All right. So we're going to do best original score. Uh, we have the five bloods, not the, Da Five Bloods by Terence Blankard, uh, Mank, uh, Trent Reznor, and Atticus Ross. Minari by Emil Mazzari. News of the World by James Newton Howard. And Soul uh, by Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, and John Batiste. Uh, Soul. Trent Reznor gets another Oscar. Um, they're actually going to get it. They're actually nominated twice. Yeah, Trent Reznor. Yeah, yeah. Both th- Mank and Soul. I think I'm actually going to go News of the World. Okay, I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with Soul as well. <clears throat> All right. All right. Best makeup and hairstyling. Uh, we have Emma, <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> Moraney's Black Bottom, <laughs> Mank, and Pinocchio. Um, Pinocchio. Although I want to go with Mank because I'm going to say the word Mank as many times as I can. <laughs> but I'm my real votes for Pinocchio. Well, I haven't seen any of these. Uh, I'm going with <laughs> you guessed it, Moraney's Black Bottom. I, I thought you were going to go with Hillbilly Elegy. <laughs> that, that's my pick. I'm going with Hillbilly Elegy. That was the one that got me chuckling. Uh, I really want to look up that movie now. 
The name sold me. All right, we All can right, probably breeze through the next like five. Okay. Uh, best international feature film. We have Another Round, Denmark, Better Days, Hong Kong, Collective, Romania, The Man Who Sold His Skin, Tunisia, God. and Keu Vadis, Ada, uh, Bosnia, and yeah, sure. Herzegovina. Sure, yeah. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> All right, Tim, pick a country. The man who sold his skin. <laughs> the man who sold his skin. All right. All right. I am also going to go with that because why not? Uh, I'm going to go with Collective from Romania. All right. All right. Best film editing. Uh, we have The Father from Your, uh, by Yorgos Lamprinos, Nomadland uh, by Chloe Zhao, Promising Young Woman by Frederick Thorval, Sound of Metal, Mikkel E.G. Nielsen. And the trial of the Chicago Seven, Alan Biam Garden. Um, Nomadland. Nomadland. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. I am gonna pick the Netflix movie because I think it should win something. Trial of the Chicago Seven. Say which one's the Netflix one again? <laughs> tri- yeah, Trial of the Chicago Seven. By the way, awesome. Mank is also a Netflix film. Is it? Oh, cool. I might actually check it out then. Yeah, I wasn't going to check it out before, but I am now. Uh, Yeah, Trial of Chicago 7 is also my pick for best film editing. Okay. And Uh, uh, Sound of Metal is uh, Amazon Prime. Oh, interesting. Okay. It makes sense that a lot of the nominations were for uh, streaming uh, films, since those were going to come out on streaming anyway. Yeah. Um, Best documentary short. We have Colette. Uh, a concerto in a conversation. Do not split. Hunger Ward, a love song for Latasha. Uh, uh, do not split. Dude, I that seems like a like like a winner. I don't watch documentaries, so we're gonna go Hunger Ward. That's my pick as well, and I do like documentaries like hardcore like I, I will turn them on happily at least in the background almost all the time and I, I don't know any of these I don't think but yeah my pick's Hunger Ward um, alright best documentary feature we have The Collective, Crip Camp The Mole Agent My Octopus Teacher and Time Crip Camp Crip camp it is. (laughs) All right. Um, I'm just going to go with my octopus teacher because that sounds ridiculous. You can learn a lot from octopus. Um, Have not seen any of these either, um, but I have seen advertisements for the mole agent and it looked pretty good. So I'm going to go with that one. All right. All right, best costume design. Uh, Emma by Alexander BM, Moraini's Black Bottom, Anne Roth, Mank, Trish Somerville, Mulan, Bina Dagerler, Pinocchio, Massimo Cantini Perini. <laughs> Not sure what the hell you just said, bud, but all right, Tim. Uh, Mulan, because I feel like it has to win something. 
Uh, actually, I was also going to pick Milan for that. So. Yeah, I think costume design. It's it's got to lead. It's going to be my pick as well. Best cinematography. We have Judas and the Black Messiah, Sean Bobbitt, Mank, Eric Messerschmidt, Bop. News of the World, Darius Walski, Nobidland, Joshua James Richards, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Adam Pata Michael, Papa Michael. Mank. Mank. I feel like at this point you're just saying Mank so you can say <laughs> Mank. That's Gary Oldman, isn't it? Um... I'm going to go with News of the World. Okay. Yep, I'm going to go with uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 again. All right. All right, and then we're going to do Best Animated Feature. Uh, this one's a tough one for me. Uh, so we have Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Okay, so the real answer is going to be either Onward or Soul. It's just which one is it going to be? I was going to say that was my my interpretation. Of yeah, that, but um, because like real talk, like I'm sure Sean the Sheep was good, but I haven't seen, I haven't even heard of Over the Moon or Wolfwalkers. But they're probably all right too if they're on this list. But like really, when it boils down to, it's either Onward or Soul. Um, I'm going go with Onward. Yeah, that's my pick. It's Onward. I can definitely see Soul winning, but because I love Onward so much, I'm, I'm also going to pick Onward. It was so good. I loved it. All right. All right. We're going to do Best Supporting Actress. We have Mir- Maria Bakalova and Borat's subsequent movie film. Uh, that was his Glenn daughter. Klaus. Huh? I think that was his daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, Glenn Klaus, Hillbilly Elegy. Glenn Olivia Klaus. Coleman, The Father. Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Yujung Young and Minari. Um, Olivia Coleman. Do you know her? I know her. She was in uh, Broad Church. Okay. I'm going to go um, with Maria uh, Baklova because I want that movie to win something so bad. Uh, my, that's also my pick. Yeah, I love that it came out in a year where there wasn't many other options so yep. that it was able to get nominated. Uh, all right, so Best Actress. We have Viola Davis in Moraney's Black Bottom, Andrew Day, United States v. Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby, Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand, Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan, Promising Young Woman. Uh, Carrie Mulligan was in Doctor Who. So we're going to go with Carrie Mulligan for my pick. Yeah, that's, uh, that's about where I'm at. I haven't seen I have any of these movies. No better logic, so I'm just going to follow your lead. I'm going <laughs> to pick Carrie Mulligan. Uh, best Supporting Actor, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen, The Trial of Chicago 7, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, Paul Rachi, and Sound of Metal, Lakeith, Stanfield, and Judas and the Black Messiah. I heart Leslie Odom Jr. because of uh, Alexander, so I'm going to go, or sorry, Hamilton, so I'm going to go with that. I'm actually going to vote Sasha Barrett Cohen because I think he is uh, <laughs> not, not, not for Borat reasons, but 
I think he is legitimately an underrated actor, and uh, I think he he's very versatile. So I'm going so for him. So I will say that this is the. I mean, so in this film, he does play a somewhat humorous role, and like that aspect of his like you know acting career does come out at times, just because he plays jokes on the on the courtroom. Um, but he played a very very different side than I've ever seen him play in this film, and I was extremely impressed. So I, I'm also picking uh, Sasha Sasha Baron, Baron Cohen for this for the trial of the chicago seven all right uh best actor we have riz ahmed sound of metal chadwick boseman rainey's black bottom anthony hopkins the father gary oldman mank and stephen ewan minari so as much as i like stephen win or ewan to win because you know he was in the walking dead um there is one name on this list that I am almost 100% certain is going to get um, the Oscar. And, you know, he's probably good in this film, um, but it's kind of like, you know, uh, Heath Ledger or even when Leonardo DiCaprio won his Academy Award, it was for more than just the one movie he was in. Uh, This is, this is the only pick I'm 100% confident is going to go to Chadwick Boseman. Yep. I concur as my pick as well. I don't know what Cody picked. No, it's the same one. Okay. Yeah. Chadwick all the way. Uh, best original screenplay. We have Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of Chicago 7. Um, I mean, you keep saying The Trial of Chicago 7 is really good, so I'm just going to go with that. Same. I haven't seen any of them, so Honestly, I might check it out because the trailer did look really good. It is good. It is long from what I can remember, uh, but it's very good. Uh, again, yeah, me too. Trial is Chicago Seven. All right. Uh, best adapted screenplay: uh, Borat subsequent movie film, uh, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Um. I'm gonna go with Borat. Same. I mean, probably against my better judgment, but I'm gonna go with Borat. Going Borat. Uh, that movie does not deserve to win anything, but you I'm also gonna pick face. it. Uh, but I'm also picking it because I really want to see them get up on stage and do an acceptance speech because I think it'll be great. Uh, all right, best director: uh, Another Round, Thomas Vinterberg, Mank, David Fincher, Minari, La Isaac Chung. No Midland, Chloe Zhao, and Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell. Um, Promising Young Woman. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Mank. <laughs> For no particular reason. <laughs> I, I really just don't know. Dude, we're going to be so hated. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I apologize if you made it this far. I, zero apologies. Yeah, we gave you several disclaimers that you should have bounced a long time ago. Uh, I'm going to do another round. Thomas Vinderberg. All right. The big one. Here's the big one. The big finale. Best picture. So the nominees are The Father, Sony Pictures Classics, Judas and the Black Messiah, Warner Bros., Mank, Netflix, Minari, A24, no Midland, Searchlight, Promising Young Woman, Focus Features, Sound of Metal, Amazon Studio, and The Trial of the Chicago 7, Netflix. Tim? 
So I watched all the trailers for all those ones um, to see some sort of research. And the only one that I wasn't really on board with watching would be Mank. I don't know. It just wasn't kind of my style. Um, but all these other ones look really good. And not having seen any of them, uh, it's really hard to pick. Um, my heart kind of wants Minari to win based off all the trailers I watched. But Sound of Metal also looked really good. Um, and so did Promising Young Woman. But I'm going to go with Judas and the Black Messiah. All right. So I've only seen a couple of trailers. I didn't do my homework. Um, it's between Sound of Metal and Trial of Chicago 7 for me. But I think I'm going to go with Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, I think it. I think it's going to make the most impact. That's just me. Uh, I'm also going to pick The Trial of Chicago 7 just for the only reason of it's the only film on this list that I've watched. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't feel like I can judgingly make an actual good call on any other movie. And I think that wraps it up. Yeah, that's everything. All right. Well, as Cody mentioned before, if you guys want to follow along, see which one of us wins or see if you can do much better, because I'm sure you, you can. You can. There's there's no question. <laughs> Those ballots are now live on our website, skentertainment.com. Please feel free to join us and uh, see if you can beat us out. Which uh, you will. Yeah. Uh, so next time on some kind of podcast, uh, Tim will once again be your host on hey. episode 13. We're going to tentatively call it Monster Mash. Where we'll be talking about first impressions of Monster Hunter Rise, as well as our overall opinions of the new Godzilla versus Kong movie releasing on HBO Max and in theaters this Wednesday, March 31st. And well, is the is it already in theaters? what no it releases simultaneously yeah okay, that's what i thought okay anyways that wraps up this week's episode of some kind of podcast please make sure you like share and subscribe and leave a comment below if you would like to reach out to us you can find us on facebook and twitter at sko entertainers or visit our website at www.skoentertainment.net for more information also check out our twitch channel some kind of entertainment where we play games occasionally and finally don't forget to join us next week because even on the best of days we all need some kind of entertainment. Bye. See ya.